Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. This series, Spirit and Justice, last week we talked about the other side and this message is a continuation of that passage that's caught, found in Mark 4 and Mark 5. The other side was about the way that we other each other, whether it is by saying um, a physical location or even unforgiveness in our heart and, and considering someone else our enemies, even how Jesus has called us to not have any enemies. What? Yes, not have any enemies. That sounds very difficult. <laughs> Because I go on a drive and I already have enemies. <laughs> like, didn't you see the stop sign? What are you doing, man? You know, and then you want to honk at me. Anyway, that's another, <laughs> that's another thing. But um, always being able to remember and, um, and treat each other with a grace that we would like to have as well. Uh, there is no other. There are only brothers and sisters. There is no other. And if we are not seeing someone that way, it is our heart that needs to be adjusted. That Jesus could pray blessing for people while he was on the cross, that's ridiculous. That means he couldn't possibly other anybody. No matter what they had, no matter what they said, even the Pharisees and the Sadducees and some of their backwards thinking, he would still embrace with love. And so in the passage that we're going to be in, it's in Mark 5. 25 through 32, this comes directly after the Mark, the passage that we read last week where Jesus is crossing the Sea of Galilee. He's going from the west side to the east side, and the man of the Gadarenes is touched. He is othered. He is outside of the city. He is considered to be an outcast, yet Jesus gets back on a boat and continues this journey. So he's heading sort of to the northwest side where this takes place. As soon as he gets off of the boat, he is thronged by this crowd of people who are all around him, you know, I assume pulling on his clothes and stuff. And the man who is very well respected as a synagogue ruler, Jairus, comes up to him, says, my daughter is dying. She's sick and dying. I need you to come and heal her, Jesus. Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to heal her. And then this happens while he was on the way to heal her. Now, Jairus, as a synagogue ruler, was most likely a man of high esteem, of high wealth, of high respect, that he can ask for anything and he can get anything. So maybe it made sense that Jesus would go with him immediately. What didn't make sense is what happened while he was on the way there. In verse 25, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in a crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, then I will be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? 
And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. There's a lot going on in this that is supernatural. And in the natural, Jesus is taking on some assumptions about the society that they lived in. There was traditions that happened. There was ways that men and women were supposed to relate. And the way that I've seen it described is there was an honor and there was a shame culture. And it's part of the Middle East. There was honor and shame. And very simply, honor was for men and shame was for women. Now, the way that you would relate and move inside of these cultures is honor meant you fully understood, you protected your authority and honor. You protected what was yours. You protected your titles. You were very aware and protecting yourself. Women in that society were called to understand where all the boundaries of honor were. Therefore, being very aware of times that they didn't measure up to everybody else. So the men were called to protect and the women were called to compare in a lot of ways, to be conscious conscious of where honor was and where it remained. Okay, they have a leper in that family. Okay, this, this family, somebody is unclean in this. Women were called to, to do that. And what that did was it caused them to carry a lot of shame in this time, especially if you were going through this as this woman with the issue of blood was for 12 years. And she was probably poor. Doctors had taken all that she had. And here she is in this press of this crowd trying to find Jesus. Not only is she on the lower rung of society, she is in this low part of this crowd, surrounded by men who were very aware of the honor that they carried and the authority that they had. And the way they would go in and be greeted and sit outside the city gates and make all these big decisions, yet she had to go in a back door. She had to be hidden. She had to be a pariah from society. Amazing that Jesus would stop to talk to her. When a man of honor and of great wealth had called him and caused him to go on his journey in the first place. But he stops and says, who touched my clothes? His disciples answered after that and said, uh, uh, everybody's touching your clothes, man. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, no, no, no. Somebody touched my clothes. That she had humbled herself in the midst of chronic pain and disease and still had a little bit to reach beyond the boundaries of her faith, beyond the boundaries of her, what was physically possible for her to touch Jesus. Now, there's something about him that responds to us reaching out right where we are. And it happened right in the midst of this crowd where people were fully, you know, busy, running around, doing all these things, yet and still she was healed right in the midst of this crowd. There is nothing in God that is causing you to go somewhere before you can receive. He wants to touch you right where you are. 
as we would reach out even for the hem of his garment, that the fringe of Jesus, there is healing in that. Just an idea of being touched in his presence is all it takes, just one touch from Jesus. But so often in our midst, whether we are covered by shame, we are covered by fear, we are covered by anxiety, we don't have any more to even reach. We don't have any more to even go to the fringe, just to the edge again, that we would even look at our problem and go, I know he is with me still in the midst of it. That she is pressed on all sides, but not crushed, but still reaching out with everything that she has to touch the hem of his garment. Now, why would she touch the hem of his garment? What was it about the clothes? What was it about Jesus that responded that way to hunger and humility? that I'm sure people weren't all friendly in that crowd, knowing who she was. I'm sure there were people who were reminding her who she was. That society, even when we're thinking about justice, we can be a reminder of, oh, you're an ex-con, you're a drug addict, you're a racist. We attach titles to people that God never places on them. And if you want to know exactly what God has called us to do, it's to always flip the way society treats others. As a society, we love to point out each other's mistakes. One day we will love to remind each other that we aren't one. That no matter what we've done, no matter what we've gone through, that God is still gathering us into himself that people in this Middle Eastern world were paying this honor and shame game, and Jesus came directly in the midst of it, and she recognized her moment and began to reach out. There's something about knowing when Jesus is in our midst, and that it's never too late for things to be turned around. Love this verse in Malachi 4, 1 and 2. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, shall rise with healing in his wings. Ooh-wee! The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. That this is just seemingly an innocuous verse about the sun rising and righteousness will be in his wings. What does that even mean? That Jesus, growing up as a Jewish man, would walk around with a prayer shawl. This prayer shawl was called a tallit. And you wrapped it around your shoulders, and um, it was the way that you remembered we are enveloped by God's presence, that he's always with us. It would, it's often in pictures you'll see Jesus sometimes wrapped with it around his shoulders, and it has these tassels on the end. And these are 
meant to remind them of the Old Testament and God's faithfulness to him, but those tassels are called wings. So Jesus is walking around with this prayer shawl over his shoulders with these wings at the corners of his garment. Understanding this verse, she would go, oh, there's healing in his wings. Crawling in the midst of this darkness and muddiness and the churning of feet and legs, not just moving practically through people, but moving physically through all the shame of society. She reaches out and grabs his wings, grabs these edges, these tassels that are on his garment. Jesus is wrapped in his presence. This woman with an issue of blood for 12 years, while Jesus is on the way to heal a 12-year-old girl, she interjects in the middle of his path and causes him to stop and say, who touched me? This is Jesus in his perfection, always willing to go beyond where anyone else would go. Very often, God will speak to you with an interruption. We have decided to go somewhere. We have decided to do something, and then an interruption happens. And we go, oh, I'm going to be late now. I would offer you consider that interruption something God is trying to show you. That we make plans, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. That as a society, we have all these things that we're doing. We have all these things that we're doing. And God only wants to interrupt them with our compassion and love for each other. Now Jesus, as this balm in Gilead, heals her in the midst of where we are. The hard thing, though, is that, you know, we don't like to get in the middle of stuff, right? It's like, it's, it's very difficult in life. We don't like to commit to things too much because you don't know uh, what is going to be required of you. Very often it's hard to see that from the beginning. You might say, yes, I'll do this thing for you, and it's happened before in life, and you get in the middle of it, you're like, this is horrible. I wish I shouldn't have done that, right? Which makes us more reticent to do that in the future. But you know what? Transformation only happens from the middle. It only happens with incarnation. Jesus had to be incarnated among us. It said in John 1 that he came and moved into the neighborhood. That a change doesn't happen as we criticize from the fringes, but it happens in a committed midst. At standing outside and saying what's wrong, I see this wrong, I see that wrong. No, he heals us even in the midst of where we are. There had to be something about her pressing into the middle of the crowd. And there she received her healing. You know, waffles exist on a fringe, you know what I'm saying? It's like, they, oh, I don't know, uh, eat, at, ah. God knows when I get into something, I'm going to jump in with both of my feet. Just everything that I have. Because this is cause us into the goodness of the middle.
And I think of this as the idea of justice that it just takes us to be willing to stand in the middle, to endure sometimes all that society has done, but to see God's face shine upon each other and upon someone. I remember I was on the street praying for someone. It was a guy that was like at a bus stop. It was on Chicago, like Chicago and Michigan. And um, he, he was just sitting there and he said he had pain in his feet and his back and he couldn't move and it was difficult for him to walk. So I asked him if I could pray for him. And I felt like I was supposed to hold his legs and pray for him. He was like, man, I mean, my feet smell pretty bad, and I've been outside. And I was like, no, let me pray for your feet. It's okay. And as I begin to pray for him, I can feel God's presence just start to wrap around him. And I prayed for him and asked him how his pain level was. He said his pain was completely gone. And then as I said amen... It had been raining and the clouds just broke open and the sun shined in. And I think of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and justice working hand in hand in a way that allows us all to experience the goodness of God's creation without any obstacles. And those obstacles could be physical limitations. They could be societal limitations. But God's desires is that we would be able to join with him in this world, in this beautiful story of transformation. And so the last thing I want to say is that he, he rejoices and he restores us. That God is always doing a restorative work. I'm just very simple. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think fear and anxiety and what the enemy does is made of complexity. This is a drawing that I made, and it's called a snail leaving a complex, right? But, you know, you got to make up of a snail kind of right there, and it's like all this complexity that, this, that society thrives on to keep us overwhelmed, But God is always calling us into a very simple way to walk with him, that he rejoices and he restores us. But it's the way that the enemy works, destruction, division, dissonance. That's what the enemy does. Unity, togetherness, joy is what God does, right? So the enemy will get you to create distance between yourself and someone, Um, you know, creating a narrative in us to other them. Oh, you don't need to talk to them right now. Yeah, they, they're not feeling you. They're not rocking with you. They don't like you. It is always separation. That is not God that is attempting to separate us from someone and create an enemy. That we may need to separate sometimes to go into silence or to be with him, but it's not out of spite. It's not out of anger. That's not the God we serve, that he is always attempting to reconcile to bring together. And I imagine that as Jesus announced, daughter, your faith, go back to the verse, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace 
and be healed of your affliction. That he announced over her that she was restored in the midst of the society that had rejected her. That the restoration of God also happens in the same place often where a rejection has happened. That he will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. This is the last verse I wanted to read. I just love this moment. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. You guys want to stand up? This is our Father who is continually, continuing to love us and sing mightily over us that we are blessed and we are loved and we are restored. That in the midst of crowds, in the midst of rejection, that he is doing something that is beyond what we can see. But if only we should reach out and touch the hem of his garment and that healing becomes a place for him to land upon our hearts. I thank you, Father, that you love us with an everlasting love and that you've given us as a gift even each other in our community, Father. We pray, Jesus, that we would be your healing agents upon this earth, that we would be those who stand in the midst, Father, who reach out to you through all that is going through, even sometimes on behalf of others who need you so much, Father, that we would be those who don't collect enemies, but we would be those who collect compassion, who collect your love to be distributed to those who need it most. As we go forth into the world, let our hearts be open to what you are doing. Let us be open to the interruption of your spirit, because you are doing things not by might, and not by power, but by your spirit. And we bless your holy name.